Welcome to another edition of Who's Better Baseball, the podcast where we answer a simple question on each show. Who's better at baseball? I'm your host, Ryan Fickelstein, managing editor at JustBaseball.com. I have Lyle Goldstein here who writes about the Mariners for us and also hosts the Marine Lair podcast where he has been covering this team all season and about the games. And we thought it was going to be a much better season for the Seattle Mariners. We expect them to be better, and that's why we're talking about them. From your vantage point this year, what's been kind of the the biggest issues overall? Is it as simple as just J-Rod not being J-Rod? Is it just a collective thing where when a couple guys are slumping, the lineup just can't get that big hit? What's been the issue? I think the biggest thing is guys you were relying on offensively are just not hitting their stride right now. I mean, Julio is certainly at the forefront of that because he's not performing up to the level that people thought he would, right? I mean, people thought he would come into his age 22 season this year and only build on what he did as a rookie. And it's been, you know, there's been some hills and valleys for him. But then you look toward the rest of the roster. It's Teoscar Hernandez, although he started to get hot as of late. Eugenio Suarez for a while there, Ty France. The guys you're relying on past J-Rod, just aren't doing what they were doing last year. And as a result, the offense as a collective group just hasn't been the same team that they were last year. It's it's interesting because you're getting kind of more than, I don't know if you expected, I know before the season you expected uh, Jared Kellen to have a big year, um, but not that wasn't really widely held belief. You're, you're getting it from some people. You know, J.P. Crawford hasn't been as bad as he was last year. But then, like you said, it's been a flip where you had Eugenio Suarez last year looking like one of the best third basemen in baseball. And this year it's been the opposite. So, uh, you know, wh- where do, uh, do the solutions come in as we get to the second half here? I know you're seeing a little bit of it from Teoscar and Ty France. But, you know, how does that kind of build moving forward with what you have in-house? You know, it's tough because you look and say, do they go out and trade for somebody? And it might augment the roster, but I don't think one bat fixes the solutions. I think it's going to have to come in-house from the guys that you're expecting to perform. A big part of that is going to be Julio playing the way he played last year and playing the way people expect him to. He just has to lift the ball a little bit more. He's put a lot of balls on the ground. His ground ball rate's nearly 60% for the month. So he has to get going. And the team as a whole probably has to cut the strikeouts down. You can live with strikeouts a little bit, I think, if you're supplementing it with power. Or last year, the Mariners were a top 10 team in WRC+. This year, they're not, and their strikeout rate's the second highest in the league. So when you combine both of those things, that's not really a recipe for success. So either power has to come alive, strikeouts have to be cut down, or ideally both. Yeah, you know, you, you write about that in the article, you know, like last year they had the strikeouts, you know, Suarez is kind of your typical guy with that, right? You know he's going to strike out, but as long as he's leaving the yard 30 times in the season, you take it. If you're not getting that, there's issues there. And I think all of this overshadows the fact that their pitching staff has been great. I mean, you're looking at a team that I think going into the season, we saw that starting rotation. I think I ranked them number two in all of baseball or close to it. I might have had them one. I don't even remember now. But they're getting, you know, good pitching. And even the guys that left, you're, you're getting some some young pitchers coming up and, and holding it down. What have you seen from the pitching side of it that makes you believe that if you just get a little more offense, this team can actually take off? I think it's everything that everybody's seen. I mean, you lose Robbie Ray and Marco Gonzalez. Gonzalez is only out for a little bit or a small period of time. Ray's done with Tommy John surgery. So you need reinforcements. And the guys they've called up haven't missed a beat in the two rookies. I mean, Bryce Miller's looked awesome outside of a 
two-start stretch where he got knocked around a little bit, which is pretty typical for a rookie. And even Brian Wu, who's supposed to be your five-starter and basically was your ninth starter to begin the year when you look at roster depth as a whole, his last two starts have been great. And that fastball looks really deadly. So when you combine that with Castillo, Kirby, Logan Gilbert, I mean, by F war, they're the best rotation in baseball. So if that tells you anything, it's that they're holding up their part. The bullpen's been good on their end. It's just when do the bats pick it up? It almost feels like they've kind of been in neutral for a lot of the first couple months of the season where everybody's just kind of waiting around. It's like, when are they going to hit the throttle? When are they going to turn it on? When is the offense going to click? And people are still waiting right now. That's it's an exact. I think there's a lot of teams in baseball that are in that place that, you know, are you know contenders from last year that can't get it going i got the mets flag behind me we we know my story uh you know the phillies are a team that finally seems to be pulling out of it themselves the padres too you know th- there's a lot of these teams that we expected more from one thing i want to note on george kirby i'm trying to find it because it's uh, where is it the the strikeout to walk ratio is just insane uh 19.7% uh, and the, or, or if you just go by strikeouts to walk 12 and a half strikeouts to, to every walk, what is it like watching a guy with that much control? It just must be a joy. You get more used to seeing a solar eclipse than George Kirby issuing a walk. I swear. It's funny when he was drafted, everybody expected him to be a command guy and throw a lot of strikes, which he does. I don't think most people expected him to be pumping upper 90s with a bunch of good secondaries and literally never walking anybody. That's what's crazy. If everything clicks for George Kirby, his ceiling is one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. And this guy's only in his first full season, too. He didn't get up till mid-May last year. And to do what he's doing at such a young age, it's it's pretty crazy. I'm not going to lie. it is It is such a treat to watch that guy go out every fifth day. And that's what gives you so much optimism. If this team is able to sneak into the playoffs, that you've got you know, Kirby and Castillo to start the first couple of games of a series. You also got Gilbert. And they'll have a, a great opportunity to make a run if they get there. Uh, I wanted to talk some trades with you. We're, we're getting close to deadline season. I just, here's the thing I, we've been kind of prepping for it, uh, you know, some of the editors here, and there's not a lot available at this year's deadline. So it's trying to find the pieces within the margins. I sent you some names today we're going to go over. The one that intrigued you the most was Lane Thomas. So you have a couple years left to control. He's not a free agent until 2026. So you have him, or you would have him beyond this season, 2024 and 2025. Guy that's been in Washington uh, for the last couple of years, started off in St. Louis this season for a bad team, but he's still hitting 290, 340 on base, 491 slug, has 11 home runs, and a 123 WRC plus. How do, could you see him kind of slotting into the mix in Seattle. I think it would make some sense when the Mariners make trades more often than not, they will go for guys with multiple years of club control. They won't never go for rentals. They went and traded for Carlos Santana last year who helped a lot, but often they'll go out and get guys who they can have on the roster and build into the core for at least a year or two beyond the point of the time that they traded for him. Lane Thomas is a guy like that. The Mariners can certainly use some outfield depth. AJ Pollock's had his struggles this year and he's only on a one-year deal. Now, Thomas doesn't play great defense, but the Mariners aren't looking for that. They need bats. And like you just outlined right there, Lane Thomas has swung the bat really well this year. He's got a war of just over one. Like you said, WRC plus is above 120. His batted ball profile is something I'll look at a little bit just because I'm curious how long he can sustain the offense that he's put up so far because 
Some of the batted ball profile doesn't quite match the offensive production he's put up so far, but that doesn't mean everything, right? Some guys, sometimes guys just continue to hit and they defy logic. And Lane Thomas so far has done that. So if the Mariners have a chance to acquire him and it's not going to cost a whole lot, he would make a lot of sense. He's a guy that, especially if Teoscar Hernandez leaves at the end of the year in free agency, that's a third outfielder to pair along with Kelnick and Julio where you can have him for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And another one, uh, we'll talk a little Mets Mariners here. If this season continues to go off the rails, uh, there's a chance that the Mets might sell a little bit, or even if it doesn't, I could see them looking at the corner outfield. They have Mark Cannon and Tommy Pham right now, both performing pretty well, and they could look to move one of them. So you look at Mark Canna, and if you're trying to cut down on strikeouts in the lineup, Mark Canna would be a good guy to add. On this season, his strikeout rate is only at 16.2%. Last year, you look at what he did, uh, 266 average, 367 on base. He's been more in line with that over the last, I'd say, month and a half. So if you're getting that player, and you also have a club option for $11.5 So there is a little bit of control there. I could see him actually making a lot of sense. Plays a good left field as well. Doesn't have the best arm, but is solid out there. Uh, Mark Canna might be a nice fit as well. You know, it's funny. I think the Mariners were tied to him a little bit when he was a free agent before he signed with the Mets. And it makes sense. The guy was in the division playing in Oakland before that. So they got to see a lot of them, not to mention the fact that DePoto usually also likes to look for guys that have some versatility. Canna can play the corner infield spots. He can play the corner outfield spots. You can DH if you, he can DH if you need him to. I think he makes sense, especially with the club option. I mean, I know you and I talked about a little bit off air, Tommy Pham or Mark Canna. I don't think they'd be opposed to either. It's just the fact that Pham is a little bit more of a rental and you have the ability to pick up Canna's team option next year if you want to keep him and are impressed by what he does if you hypothetically trade for him. I think Canna's a guy that makes a lot of sense. He's not going to light the world on fire, but for an offense that's been scuffling like the Mariners has, he would certainly help. And I, I think they're also, because Tommy Pham has played so well, you know, Canna's been relegated a little bit. I, I could see even if the Mets are kind of hanging in the mix a little bit, I could still see them saying, you know what, let's try to get an arm for Marcana or something and just give Fan the position for the season. And also, there is a $2 million buyout on that option. Maybe they want to get out of that for next year and just kind of move in a different direction. Now, the trade that I think is uh, maybe the sexiest based on name recognition, which could kind of really change your team, is a two-for-one on rentals here. So Justin Turner and Adam Duvall – And honestly, I'd have A.J. Pollock going back to the Red Sox in this deal to just get him out of the way. You give Justin Turner the DH spot. You put Adam Duvall in the outfield. Turner can spare Suarez at third base a little bit. You look at what they've done this season. Duvall obviously had the injury, so he still is working on an 18-game sample size, most of it from the first couple weeks of the season where he was the best player in baseball. But it's a 186 WRC+. plus. Who wouldn't want that in your lineup? Uh, and then you got Justin Turner, who's still putting up consistently solid numbers, 360 on base, kind of like Canada. You're not going to get the strikeouts, 15.2%, uh, 122 WRC+. plus. So what do you think about adding two bats and just trying to really augment everything you got going on there? I'm all ears. When you watch the Mariners the way that people have so far this season, I think you're certainly all ears to any potential offensive upgrades. I'm just going to turn it around to you here, though, with two questions. First one is, are you buying Adam Duvall? Because as good as he was in the first eight games, he then got hurt and just recently got back into action. So he really had eight unbelievable games. 
And then we kind of don't know. So, so are we sipping the tea here? Here's what I'd say. What's the, the cost? I would think that for two rentals that are in their late 30s, I don't believe the cost would be exorbitant. Now, if they are actually packaging the two in a week deadline period where they're trying to get a lot for them, no, I'm not buying the team. But what I will say about Adam Duvall is a guy that can play all three outfield spots for you and play them well, who can leave the yard and has been in the postseason and won a World Series with the Braves. I do think that he's the type of veteran that a contender can buy into. It's just I'm not buying into trading for a 180 WRC plus. I'm trading for you know what he was, uh, you know, not necessarily last season. Let's just say, you know, the 2019 version, maybe where he's a 120 WRC plus. I could buy into him being that or something a little bit less than that. I think that's about right. And if he put up that type of production or anything close to what he did with the Braves during their World Series run, I think the Mariners would take it 100%. The only other question I have, and here's the second part of this, are the Red Sox going to ship those guys off? Because they're right in the wild card hunt right now, too. Now, I don't know if their pitching holds up all year. I just wonder if these guys are going to be sellers or not at the deadline or if they kind of try to hold their pieces and go for it. I think that's the the big question with so many teams in the league right now. And that's why I think we could be in for a really quiet and frankly boring uh, trade deadline season because, I mean, just try to even find five available vets. I, I mean, I, I found, you know, four here and we can poke holes in three of them because you could also say the Mets aren't going to sell. The only one that we think would maybe be sold is Lane Thomas. And who knows? Maybe Washington views him as a piece of their future. It's going to be a, a really weird um deadline I, I do think there's a chance for a lot of um you know Pablo Lopez Luis Arise type trades where maybe teams are you know kind of both sitting in a wild card spot and think okay I need pitching you need hitting let's make a swap here maybe something can happen so I, I don't know I, I don't know if you know the Mariners have a starting pitcher that you can send to Boston and probably one of those two guys free maybe but it's going to be a really weird deadline. And you're right. There's every chance that the Red Sox are lingering enough where they decide, why do we need you know the bottom of a top you know 30 prospect for these guys? Let's just run with what we have and try to contend. Yeah, maybe it's not going to be like previous deadlines where it's just a free-for-all and it's crazy news left and right. Because like you said, there's only so many teams that really right now feel like true sellers. And part of that's a testament to how close these wildcard races are. But You'll probably see the A's sell a little bit. You might see the Royal sell. You might see the National sell, a couple others. But ultimately, you just don't know. And, and you just outlined it really well. A lot of teams might try to hold their chips and try to go for it. Now, if you're the Mariners, I think you have to do everything you can to acquire a bat because I think they are a bat short. I think most people believed at the start of the season they were a bat short. But above all else, even if you go get somebody like Elaine Thomas, if you go get somebody like a Mark Hanna, it's still going to be on the guys that are your true thumpers in the lineup to really, really anchor this roster. And it all starts with Julio, and I think Suarez is going to have a big piece in it too. What he does in the second half is going to determine a lot of what this offense is and what their identity is. I think you know you kind of hit the nail on the head there, and that actually kind of leads into my last question. If I was looking at this, this lineup right now and try to pinpoint areas where they can improve offensively, a third base would obviously be one, but you're likely going to ride that out. So what position, I know we've kind of broached it with these guys that we're talking about. Is it corner outfield? Is it just replacing Pollock at DH? Where do they need that bat uh, most right now? 
it has to be either DH or second base. And second base, probably much less so these days than anything else, because Jose Caballero's emergence has been a pretty pleasant surprise for the team. He's out here running out of WRC plus well over 100. His defense has been great. He runs the base as well. They're starting to play him a lot. He's basically become the everyday second baseman, and Colton Wong's gotten relegated at this point. If I had to pick anywhere, I would think it's DH. And also, if you trade for a DH that can also play some different positions in the field, you can swap guys around a little bit. Mike Ford's been DH in the last week and a half or so, and he's had a kind of a hot stretch. But we also know who Mike Ford is as a big leaguer at this point. You know, well, he's kind of a too true outcome guy. He'll pop one over the fence from time to time, but also strike out a decent amount. I think if it's anywhere, it's going to be a DH and they're just going to go get a bat first guy that can help the offense. And like you said, that probably gives Pollock less playing time. It certainly would give Ford less playing time. But ultimately, I think it just has to be somebody that swings the bat well and pr- provides some extra production in the lineup because that's what they're missing. And that's what everybody talked about at the start of the year, too. They felt like they were missing a DH. And that that could be all they need. They need the guys to step up on the roster. You get one more bat with the pitching they have. We're not counting out this Mariners team just yet. Thank you, Lyle, for joining me. Uh, make sure you check out all of his writing about the Mariners. There's an article that will be tied to this podcast you can check out on Thursday at JustBaseball.com. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts.